Welcome to Life Center Church. Great to see you guys today. Anybody else in here as jacked up as Matt is about uh, worship today? <laughs> that dude's fired up. I'm fired up too. Uh, guys, I want to give you a little preamble to my message today. There's just something special uh, about being in the same room worshiping together, isn't there? Just something special about it. Guys, I, I, I love that, uh, you know, we've got people watching online. In fact, today I want to welcome uh, Ron and Janet Mallow from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma watching. Happy birthday, Ron. I got a friend watching from there. Um, and uh, also today, I think it's Willis's birthday. Am I right, Willis? Yes. Y'all give it up for Willis Jepson, his birthday today. Excited. He's like, I don't like being reminded I'm older, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, we did that anyway. But guys, we are, we're excited to uh, have so many watching online every single week. Uh, but I want to say this, we miss you and we cannot wait uh, for you to be able to come back and worship in person with us. I'll just be honest with you. I'm ready to fill this building back up. Uh, COVID or no COVID, I I'm ready to go. One of my favorite passages of scripture uh, is in uh, Psalm 92, 12, and it says this. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the, of the Lord will flourish in the courts of God. You know, you know what that passage doesn't say? It doesn't say those who listen to a podcast. <laughs> it doesn't say those who listen to some worship music or those, uh, you know, who, are, who do this whole Christian life thing on their own. It says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of God. It says they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay green and fresh. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged as I get older that, that that's, that's in there. It goes on to say, they're going to proclaim, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Somebody, come on. <laughs> Corporate worship is vital. Man, it is so vital to our spiritual growth. It's not about a building, but it's about being together as the body. And it is such a big deal. And so I just want to say, I'm so glad today that you guys are here. I'm also glad that you're watching on, online. That's my preamble to the message this week. If you got a Bible with you, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12, okay? Uh, we are in week two of a series uh, that we've entitled Roots of Redemption. And what we're doing is we're challenging uh, those who attend Life Center Church to read through the Bible chronologically in 2021. And uh, you can pick up a reading plan back at our Connection uh, Center in the back. We have some of those back there. Or you can download the one-year chronological reading plan on the YouVersion app uh, on your cell phone. And if you do that, I just want to make sure that, that you know to go to the settings button and push the catch-up button. It's not actual, yeah, catch-me-up, not catch-up button. That didn't sound right, did it? The catch-me-up button. And what it'll do is it'll catch you up where we are. And so I'll tell you guys, I, I've lined up my teachings and, um, and our series with the reading plan. Uh, and so we're going to have a fun, fun year together. I really believe this is going to be a huge year for our church. I believe God's going to do something big. He's going to do something big in your life personally. He's going to do something in us corporately. And so today we're in Genesis chapter 12. And before I jump into that, um, if you got a chance to kind of read along with us uh, this last week, hopefully you were encouraged <laughs> That your family isn't as screwed up as you thought it was. <laughs> I don't know if you read along with me this week, but after this reading this week's section, uh, I don't feel so bad about myself anymore. These people in scripture, they had some real crazy 
issues. And what I love about the Bible is this, is that it doesn't, you know, pull any punches. I mean, these are real people with real problems. And it's not just a book that, that's about a bunch of, you know, men and women that do everything right. But it's about a God who does amazing things through everyday screwed up people. And that says something to me, and I hope it does you as well. So let's start today, Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to start in verses 1 and 2. And here's what God says to Abraham. He says this. He says, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to a land I will show you. And then God makes Abram a promise here. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And all people on earth, all people on earth will be blessed through you. Church, God is telling Abram that he's going he's, he's to have to leave the comfort of some of the things of home and move to another place in order for God to bless him. So here's the deal. God doesn't tell him where he's going. He doesn't tell him where, where he's going. Can, can you imagine how that conversation went down with Abram and his wife? Think about that for a second. Men in the room, imagine coming home from work and saying, hey, uh, check this out. I was talking to God today, honey, and uh, God told us that he wants to bless us. Yes, that's awesome. Okay, so um, here's the deal. We're going to have to leave everything we know. Ladies, if you're Abram's wife, you're probably asking some questions, aren't you? You're, you're first of all, okay, okay, wait a second. Where are we moving to? Uh, secondly, what kind of job are you going to be doing? Those kind of questions, right? Well, Abram says pretty much, he's like, you know, I, I don't know where we're going. I didn't get that part. It was a little fuzzy, you know, on the details. But here's the deal. We got we to go. But, but imagine how difficult that decision would have been. It wasn't like he could, you know, call ahead, find a realtor, to, you know, find him a nice three-bedroom, two-bath house. I mean, the fact is this. He didn't even know where he was going. If you flip over to the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, what it says about Abraham, kind of looking back at his past, it says this. It says, by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, it says, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Church, I believe that God is going to speak to some of you today, and he's going to say that you are going to have to, by faith, follow him when he calls you into the unknown. As some of you are going to have to leave things that you are most comfortable with and you're going to have to follow him by faith so that you can experience a greater blessing in your life. You know, oftentimes God will call us into a life of blessing and the only road to get there is the road of faith. So if you're like me, you're, you're probably going to want some details, aren't you? But the deal is this. God rarely gives us the details. Have you noticed that? Anybody, ever, anybody else ever notice that? That when God tells you to do something, a lot of times he doesn't give you the details. You ever wondered why? Why does God do that? Guys, I believe 
Because number one, in the words of Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't. Because if you knew all the details, there would be a good chance that you wouldn't obey. Like if you saw what, what you were going to have to face and what was going to take place, we might not follow through. Secondly, if you had all the details, I'll just tell you this, it wouldn't take any faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, it tells us this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's absolutely impossible. And so Abram and Sarai, his wife, have been given this promise of being a great nation. In other words, they're going to be blessed with lots and lots of children, lots of grandchildren, lots of descendants. Now that may not sound like a blessing to you. You're like, I'm totally okay with the amount of kids I have, okay? You're like, I don't need any more. All right, but in biblical times, here's the deal. It was a big deal to have children. If you go turn to Psalms uh, 127, verses 3 through 5, it says this. It says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not uh, be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gates. So it was a big deal. But the first thing that they're going to have to do in order to experience this blessing from God is to go. They're going to have to leave where they are. Now, what blows my mind about this story is that these characters in the story, Abram and Sarai, are characterized as people of great faith in the New Testament. We just read about that in Hebrews chapter 11. But if you look deeper into the story in the Old Testament, what you're going to see is that they didn't always have faith. Today, we're going to see that at one point in the story, Abram, he messes up and he falters in his faith. Same thing with Sarai. She does the same exact thing. And then the two of them together fall another time. And so here's the deal today. I hope that you're encouraged today because we all have moments when we waver in our faith, don't we? We do. Guys, it's encouraging to know that even when they are faithless in this story, we see God is always faithful. And the same thing will be true in our lives as we are walking intimately with God. It will. The same thing's going to be true for us. What happens a lot of times in life is that things don't always go as planned. In fact, they rarely go as planned. Exhibit A, 2020. We've talked about this, right? Part of 2021 already, all right? Things don't go as planned. And, and there's a couple of things that can happen in your life and in my life when things don't go as planned, all right? And I want to talk about those just briefly with you. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this, is that we can fall victim to, to fear. We can all fall victim to fear. And that's what Abram did when there was a famine in the land, basically what was going on is the economy had tanked and he had ended up moving his family to Egypt. He had done what God had told him to do, but he, but he runs into to some fear and he made some sinful mistakes based on that fear. So he allowed his fear to dictate his decisions. And so I want you to look with me, Genesis chapter 12, um, starting here in verses 1 through 13. We'll look just briefly at some of these passages. Here's what it says. It says, as Abram was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, 
I know what a beautiful woman you are, but, okay, wives now, <laughs> when your husband starts with that, okay, when he says, I know what be- kind of a beautiful woman you are, and then says, but, okay, you know that this probably isn't going to go very well. But here, here's what he says. He says, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Okay? So in verse 13, he's basically, he convinces his wife to lie about her identity. And so this lie would lead her eventually into the arms of Pharaoh. Okay? He, he's, what, what's going on in this passage is Abram is pretty much giving his wife over to Pharaoh so that Pharaoh can, can make her his wife. He can sleep with her so that Pharaoh doesn't kill Abram. So he's afraid that, that he's going to lose his life. And then back in those days, if an enemy wanted something that, that, that you had, what they would do is they would kill you and they would take it. So Abram, here's what he tells her. Okay, he says this. He says, say, say that you're my sister. Say that you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. You know, you know what's interesting about this story is that God has given Abram and Sarah a promise already. And it's dealing with having children. And according to my elementary biology class okay that means it's going to take both of them right and both of them have to be living so all of a sudden Abram he's afraid that he's going to die which tells us that in this moment he is doubting the promise of God that he is making a decision based on fear and he says let's lie because I don't really trust God And I don't believe God's going to do what God says he's going to do. That's basically what he's saying in this moment. Because I I want you to think about that for just a second. How often do we do that? How often do, you know, people get taken off track because of fear? That they allow fear to dictate their decisions. I mean, just think about the last year for just a moment. Fear, we do some crazy things, don't we? Crazy things. Because we're scared, because we're worried. We allow the what-ifs to impact our decisions. You ever had the (laughs) what-ifs? For example, our culture right now is so afraid of commitment. We're just afraid of commitment. We we, we don't want to commit to anything. Think about marriage in our culture right now. Less and less people are, are, are stepping into marriages because of that. They're like, what if, you know, he cheats or she cheats? What if she nags? What, what if something better comes along? What, what if we get a divorce? Or what if we can't have kids? Or what if we have too many kids? You know, rather than living by faith, suddenly, all of a sudden, we are living by fear. I mean, commitment is like this lost virtue. You know, we, we don't want to commit to any of us. There's, there's many men that, that are just, they're scared to commit to a church. They're like, what, what, if, what if they ask me to give? Or what if they ask me to share my faith? Or, or what if they, you know, what, what if they make me make a commitment to a life group? 
You know, what if I don't like something the pastor says? What if they find out who I really am? And so we talk ourselves out of obedience to God. Because a lot of times God will call us to do something and we allow the what ifs to dictate those decisions that we make for those things. Maybe it's that God calls you to be a foster parent. I don't know. And you think, okay, what if, what if we bring that child in and, and let's say they're crazy. I mean, what if, what if my kids don't fit well with them? Or what if we can't afford it? And yet God has told you to do something plainly and you don't do it. Because maybe he's calling you to start a business or, or maybe he's calling you to, you know, to a new ministry or to start a new life group. But what if, what if, what if, what if? So instead of experiencing God's blessing, instead of experiencing his grace and, and, and increasing faith, so often what we see is people bow down to fear. And we, we talk ourselves out of being obedient to God. Guys, I can't tell you how many times that Lee and I in our marriage, we've, we've talked ourselves into faith rather than bowing down to fear. Guys, almost two years ago, we felt God was calling us to go, to step out, to pursue God's calling for me to become a, a lead pastor. And the what ifs hit home for me. They did. I, I, I thought to myself, what, what if I'm not ready for, for this God? What if, I, what if I'm not ready? What, what if I'm not capable? Capable. What if I'm not a good enough communicator? What, what if I'm not a good enough leader? What, what if I get hurt? What if my kids... Don't connect with the community that we live in. You know, when Life Center's executive team called us, the what ifs for me, honestly, they took over. And at that moment in time, I, I was asking the questions in my head. I'm like, okay, what if this church doesn't survive? What, what, what if I'm, I'm not the right guy to lead them? What, what, if, what if they can't pay me enough to, to raise my family? What, what if, what if uh, you know... What if I can't find the right staff to help me lead this thing? What if people don't like me? What, what if I'm, I'm not what they think I am? What if they aren't, you know, good with having just a good old boy redneck pastor? Well, you know, all those different things. You know, all of the fear entered in and we found ourselves, I found myself questioning God. You know, I, we thought about moving back home uh, to Arkansas because I thought, man, that's, that's the safe bet. That's the safest place to move our family. Um, there, my, my, my family will have, my kids will have their, their family, their, all those different things. I'll have my family there. And, and you know, there was a church there that was interested in talking to us. And, it, and so it, it was going to, I thought, man, that's, that's what we should do. But the, the fact is this, is that God wasn't calling me home. I thought he was in that moment. Guys, on our way through to Arkansas, we decided to stop here in Cross Plains and meet the leadership. And on top of that, the church was willing to, to pay me a little money. And I needed a little money at the time to preach. And so, um, so we decided, hey, let's, let's stop. Let's just at least try this out. And guys, from the moment that I stepped on this stage right here, when I stepped onto this stage, I knew God was in it. I, I knew that God was, was plainly telling me, Spencer, this is where I want you. This is my plan. Leah also knew it. God spoke to her specifically and said, Leah, this is where I want your family. So there was a moment where Leah and I stepped out of the what ifs into the by faith. And guys, I cannot tell you 
how huge that, that decision was. What I can tell you is that on the other side of the what ifs has been one of the greatest blessings of my life. It truly has. This, this has been one of the greatest blessings of my life. Because a lot of times there is so much fear talk. What if? What if? What if? And we miss God's blessing instead of saying God has spoken. God is leading us. And faith leads us to obey the promptings of God in our life. For Abram, listen, he panicked. You know, God's already given him a promise. He says, I'm going to give you children, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless all people through you. And Abram's like, they're going to kill me. He stopped believing the promise, and he gave in to fear. And at the end of chapter 12, the lie is exposed. If you look down and you see Pharaoh has taken Sarai to be one of his wives, and God brought down a curse on Pharaoh and his household. And so what we see is we see Pharaoh, he finds out that Abram had lied to him and he asked Abram and Sarai to leave. I'm amazed that he doesn't kill them. It just, again, shows God's faithfulness. And so they leave Egypt and they move to Negev is what the scripture says. But imagine, just for a second, the, the relational chaos that this decision probably caused. What's interesting about this decision is that this sin impacted future generations. In fact, Abram's son Isaac made the same mistake with his wife Rachel. They lied about their identity and they were caught in a lie. Guys, we've got to understand, for the adults in this room, for the parents in this room, we have to understand that our sins are often repeated by our children. For Abram, the sin of deception, if you see, read along in this story, you see that it became a stronghold that affected the lives of Isaac. It, it, it affected Jacob and even Jacob's sons. It became an issue for future generations. And if we aren't careful, here's the deal. We will pass on the sins that we carry onto our children and they'll pass it on to their children. Guys, look at divorce today. You're like five times, your children will be five times more likely to have a divorce if you go through a divorce. Guys, our decisions are huge. They're huge. And that's not to say that God doesn't redeem things. Absolutely. And we see that in this story. But we can save ourselves a lot of heartbreak, a lot of chaos, if we just obey. So number one, be careful. Don't become a victim of fear. The second thing that often happens, and I, and I would bet that some of us have done this uh, because I know I have, because when life isn't going as planned, oftentimes what, what we do is we get ahead of God. We get ahead of God. God, you, you told us that, that we're going we're gonna to be blessed, but we're not seeing anything happen. You're taking way too long, God. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to force or I'm going to manipulate the situation. I, I'm going to take action because I don't like your timing. <laughs> and so as we continue in this story, this is what Sarai did. Abram, he, he messed up first. Then his wife follows, follows him in Genesis chapter 16. If you flip over there real quick in verses 1 through 2, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. It says this, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children. 
So God has told her that, that she's going to have kids and she doesn't have any yet. And so the Bible says this. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Okay, now guys, um, you may be thinking in here, wow. Now that, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds cool, right? Because let, let me just remind you, her name is Hagar. Okay, we don't know this for sure, but here's the deal. I'm picturing a very manly woman. I'm picturing she's got some hair under her arm. She may have a mustache. I don't know, okay? But that's what I'm picturing. I can't confirm that, but that's what I'm thinking in my head. And then notice what Sarai says. Here's what she says. She says, perhaps I can build a family through her. So in this moment, Sarai is taking matters into her own hands. What she doesn't say is this. God can do this. God can bring about his promise. Instead, she's saying, I can take control. She's saying, I can make this happen. God's not doing it. Therefore, I'm going to get ahead of God. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to force this to happen. Now, if you read the rest of the story, Abram, he gives in to this, okay? And he sleeps with Hagar, and she gave him a son by the name of Ishmael. I want you to understand this. This one decision changed all of history. Sarah and Hagar go to war against each other and their descendants are still fighting today. Arabs or Palestinians and Israel, you know what I'm talking about? That's still going on today and it started right here. This is where it all came about. It gets nasty all because they tried to force something before it was God's time. That's what happens. I mean, how often does, does that happen in, in our world? People make split-second decisions because they don't want to wait on God. And they'll settle for second best. Maybe a good little Christian girl who settles for a guy who has a pulse and a wallet. They just settle, right? Instead of waiting on God's best, that they'll go ahead and they'll compromise their values because they didn't want to wait on God. We see it in so many different ways in our marriages. I mean, you got young couples maybe in their 20s who, you know, they have this desire to have the same stuff that their parents have at age 50. So instead of waiting and managing their money wisely like God's word tells us to, they go out and they get themselves in debt up to their neck. And then they can't wait for the right timing. And so, and so they spend the next 20 years struggling along because they got ahead of God. And the list goes on and on and on and on. You know, maybe you don't like your job. And you panic. You think, I hate my boss. I can't do this any longer. And so instead of waiting on God to provide a job, oftentimes we just jump out. We quit and nine months later, we're still looking for a job. We're still unemployed, wondering why we can't pay the bills. It's because we forced it. You panicked. You got ahead of God instead of stopping and praying and say, God, Help me in this situation. God, I'll wait on you. We take matters into our own hands. Guys, here's what we have to remember. God is rarely early, but he's never late. Amen. Let me say that again, if you didn't get it. I'm preaching now, all right? 
God is is rarely early, but he is never late. God has perfect timing. And, And so a lot of times what we do is we panic. We wonder what God is doing. We feel like we gotta do something. We gotta force it. And what we miss often is that God does his greatest work in the waiting. It's always in the waiting. Something actually happens while nothing is happening. It's interesting because God will use waiting to change us. Oftentimes, he is preparing us for the future. He is preparing us for the blessing. When we push the issue, and we keep pushing the issue, and we push the issue, guys, a lot of times we aren't ready for the blessing. Guys, I, I, I've seen this over and over and over again in so many people's life where they have crashed and burned in life because they weren't ready for the blessing. They weren't ready for it. They couldn't handle it. They buckled under the pressure or under the weight of that blessing. Guys, I, there's a quote by this, this uh, girl by the name of Christine Kane, phenomenal communicator. She says this. She says, if the light on you is greater than the light in you, then the light will kill you. Let me say that again. If the light on you is greater than the light in you, then the light will kill you. That's why we see so many pastors crash and burn in ministry. I can't tell you how many big time pastors in the last year alone have crashed and burned because of this. That's why we see really successful people's lives fall apart. It's because they weren't ready for the responsibility. They weren't ready for the spotlight. They weren't ready for the blessing. God is working in the waiting. He is preparing you. He's equipping you. Guys, the tendency is to push God, you know, kind of to the side and to go at our own pace. But it creates distance in our relationship with him. It causes us to get in trouble. It brings about pain in our life. Mark chapter 8 verse 36 tells us this. What good is it to gain the whole world now, right? Whatever, you know, it is that we think we want and forfeit our souls, forfeit our intimacy with God Almighty, the creator, the one who who has your life planned. God wants us to learn how to follow him first then he'll bless us. Guys, we see that with Abraham. He calls him first, doesn't he tell him where he's going? He says, follow me. Then I'll unfold it. It's in the waiting. Guys, one way he, he helps us do this, in waiting, like he did Abram and Sarah, is to, is to make it difficult on us. Guys, that that miserable, uncomfortable, sometimes painful state of silence is one of God's most powerful tools to set us free and to prepare us for the future. Guys, what happens to so many of us, number one, is we fall victim to fear. Number two, is we get ahead of God. Number three, if you're taking notes, is this, is that we stop believing God will do what he's promised. We simply don't believe that that God will, will do it for us. He may do it for somebody, somebody else. He, he may answer their prayers. He may, you know, do a miracle in their life. But I just don't think that, that he's going he's gonna to do it in my life. 
And quite honestly, I get that. Because for Abram and Sarai, guys, they're waiting 30 years. Think about this for a second. 30 years after a promise was made for a promise to be fulfilled. I just wonder if God was waiting on them to grow up. <laughs> but think about this. He tells them that they're going to have children that, you know, they're probably, you know, decorating the nursery, you know, a year later. They're probably thinking, uh, we, we thought it, you know, it was going to happen by now. But it hadn't happened. Six months later, they're like, well, maybe we should go to the doctor. You know, maybe we should check it out. What, what, you know, why is it not happening two years later, four years later, eight years later? God, what's going on? Did you forget about us? Twelve years later, 20 years later have gone by. And, 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 and you see nothing has happened. And, and I, I'm sure that they lost faith. Which is what so many of us do. Guys, it's kind of funny what Abraham, or Abraham and Sarah did in Genesis chapter 17, verse 17. When God comes to them again some 30 years later and, and says now very specifically to them. He's like, I'm going to give you a son. Okay, here's what the Bible says in verse 17. It says, Abraham fell face down and he laughed. And he said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? In other words, God, I'm not sure things uh, are working like they used to, if you know what I'm saying. Okay? They don't have Viagra back then. Okay? Let me just say that. Did I just say that? I can't believe I just said that. But anyway, they, the deal is, is things... You're like, God, they don't work the way they used to. And how's this going to happen? He's like, you've got to be kidding me. He's laughing. Guys, I would have believed, you know, if I'm in Abraham's position, I would have been like, okay, I would have believed back years ago, God, when you said you're going to do this. But I'm just not seeing it now. I'm just not seeing it. Sarah responded the exact same way. She, she overheard God talking in verse 12 in, in, in Genesis chapter 18. The Bible says, so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? <laughs> They're both laughing at God. In verse 13, then the, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? And then God asked them a question that probably pierced their soul just as I pray that it would pierce your soul today. That God asked them this one question in verse 14. Here's what he asked. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So in that moment, I believe something shifted in their faith. Is anything too, too hard for the Lord? Oh yeah, I forgot. You're the God who says all things are possible. And at that moment, all of their unbelief, all of their manipulation, all of their pain, all of their confusion, church, I believe it left. They're reminded. Because I just want to be real with you today and acknowledge that some of you are in a waiting season. And it is ex it's extremely painful. 
and you're contemplating giving up faith. You're contemplating giving up your dream and your miracle. You're like, God, I, I, I just don't see it. I just want to say to you, do you really think anything is too hard for God? Those of you who would say, you know, we could never be blessed with, with a child. Or, or those of you who could say, we, we, we could never afford to adopt. Or we, we could never, you know, pay that off. Do you really think that there is anything that is too hard for the Lord? Some of you are maybe in a financial mess and you think that you're never going to be able to climb out. You're thinking that I'm always going to struggle. Do you really think that there's anything that is too hard for the Lord? Well, pastor, you, you just don't know how bad my marriage is. You, you just don't know. My, my husband will never be a godly man. My wife is so far from God. Do you really not believe that in a moment that the power of God could come over them and, and drop them to their knees and point them into a direction of full surrender of the Lord? We're talking about the God of the universe. The one who created it all. Do you not think that the Holy Spirit could change someone's heart? You're like, but, but, but Spencer, you, you don't know how far my kids have gotten away from the things of God. You don't know how far they've run. They're never going to come back. Do you really not think that God's grace could never pursue the one that you love and bring them into a point of submission to a holy God? Have you stopped believing that it's possible for God to bring about blessings in your life? Because here's the good news. <laughs> Even if you're faithless right now, Abraham and, and Sarah... We're faithless. I've been faithless. But the last season of your life can be characterized as theirs was. They were known as being faithful, even though they messed up again and again and again. Here's how the New Testament describes Abraham in Romans chapter 4, verses 19 and 21. We'll throw it up on the screen so you can see it. Here's what it says. It says, without weakness or weakening in his faith. Let me say that again. Without weakening in his faith, something changes in Abraham. Without weakening his faith, his faith, his face lifted up. The fact that his body wasn't physically able to have children at his age is irrelevant. He was a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also closed. Because I love the way that one of my pastor friends says it. He says it this. He says there, there's a difference between fact and truth. Hmm. Facts can change, but truth never changes. The fact was, Abraham was too old to have kids. The truth was, God gave him a promise. That's good, isn't it? Truth trumps facts. Truth always prevails. Verse 20 says this, and we're, we're almost done. Verse 20 says, Yet 
He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully, not partially, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Church, can can I challenge you today? Don't waver in your faith. Don't waver in your faith. Be strengthened in your faith. If life doesn't go the way that you have it planned, guys, remember what it says in Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And remember, even if you do mess up, here's the good news. Even when you are faithless, he is faithful. Do you hear that, church? Even when you're faithless, he's faithful. Why embrace anyone or anything else but the faithfulness of God? Guys, let's invite him to be the Lord over every area of our lives. I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed in here. I want you to to listen to this verse. This encouraged me. My wife sent it to me this morning as I was studying when she woke up. And I'm just telling you, it rocked me. And, And it's so interesting how God has woven our hearts together as a husband and wife and how the Holy Spirit uses her in my life and um, but this, this really spoke to me. It was out of Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 10. I don't have the scripture on the screen besides keep your head bowed. I want you to listen to this. This is amazing, okay? Jesus is talking about his prayer life. He's talking about how we're to pray. He says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are already in bed. I can't get up. I can't give you anything. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, Let me say that again. Because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks asks receives the one who seek finds and to the one who knocks the door will be open to you let me ask you today church what are you asking God for in audacious audacious faith what are you asking from God with audacious faith you're persistent you're saying God this is what I'm desiring God may my desires match your desires And crying out to him. There are some of you in this room today who you have some big time dreams that God has placed in your heart and in your life. Some of you watching at home, you've got big dreams. 
God has placed those visions and those dreams in your heart for a purpose. And he wants to fulfill those in your life. And he wants you to trust him. What are those dreams today? Maybe today you need to come to this altar. You need to lay down your dream to God. And say, God, I've been faithless. Maybe it's a, a dream to see your child come to know faith in Christ. Maybe they've walked away from faith. Maybe it's a, to see them come back. Maybe it's a, a, a dream for, for a new business or a new idea or a new life group or a, a new way of serving people. Maybe you need to come and lay that out on the altar and say, God, I'm trusting you with audacious faith today. I'm not going to allow fear to take over. And God, I'm not going to get ahead of you. And I'm not going to let that dream die. I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to have faith in you. What is it for you?